Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Monday, December 28th. Today on the show, a look at the AFC playoff picture with one week left to play, a major Nashville sporting event gets canceled, and a hoops update from the weekend. But we begin with the public flogging that took place in the NFL last night. Let's get one thing straight right out of the gate. The refs did not have a good night on Sunday night in Green Bay. But let's get a second thing straight, too. It wasn't the reason the Titans got beat by four touchdowns. You can be pissed and frustrated that a call was missed, even if it cost your team 30 yards, but you cannot blame them for the outcome of a game that features 118 different plays. Blaming the refs for an outcome of a football game is one of the laziest things you can do as a sports fan, and I guarantee you that Mike Vrabel isn't spending much of his time focusing on it right now either. So what are the real reasons the Titans lost 40-14 to and the real things Vrabel should be concerned about heading into a critical Week 17 matchup against the Texans? We knew coming into the game that the Titans' defense is a major liability, and that stopping the most efficient quarterback in NFL history with a group that doesn't get off the field on third downs and doesn't pressure the passer much was going to be a major issue. And it was. The Packers scored touchdowns on each of their first three possessions with relative ease, topped 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing, and did not punt a single time. Needless to say, the defense is still a huge problem, and almost every matchup in the playoffs is going to be terrifying for this group. Dory Jackson, in theory, will provide some help as he gets back up to speed, but he was abused on Sunday night by Devontae Adams. Vrabel is going to have to scheme around his weaknesses, and I'm not sure Bill Belichick himself could hide this unit's deficiencies. The bigger concern, though, was how the Titans' offensive line played. Ryan Tannehill was pressured the entire night, and Derrick Henry had 35 yards on 11 carries at halftime. In fact, Tannehill had as many combined sacks and interceptions for as Aaron Rodgers had incompletions. Tannehill was affected by the pressure and the blitz packages all night and made more than a few really bad decisions. He completed just 11 of his 24 passes, his worst completion percentage of his Titans career. It's only the second time he's been below 50% in a regular season game in his 25 starts as a Tennessee Titan. The other one came against the Bears. Henry eventually finished with 98 yards on 23 carries, but was never really a factor in the game and picked up about a third of those yards on a meaningless fourth quarter possession. This is the blueprint that should have the Titans concerned. If the bad defense gives up an early lead wrapped inside a slow start and Henry is just even mildly contained, can this team make comebacks without having to change its identity? Can Tannehill put this team on his back to win games? On Sunday night, Tennessee felt like they got away from their identity too early, and Tannehill was not up for the challenge. The Titans' 260 total yards of offense was their second-worst output of the year. Now, are you going to have to face Aaron Rodgers in a snowstorm most weekends in the NFL? No, of course not, so I guess that's some good news. But the prevailing wisdom is that this offense, arguably the best in franchise history, is good enough to salvage any performance by its weaker half on defense. But in the Titans' five losses, each game featured a bad first half showing from the offense as well. You simply cannot be this one-dimensional and expect to beat the best teams in the NFL. You know, the ones that make the playoffs. And in the playoffs, you cannot afford slow starts or major first half deficits because there is no next week. With the loss to the Packers on Sunday night, the Titans are still the four seed in the AFC, but now have to beat the Houston Texans on the road in Week 17 to clinch the AFC South Division Championship. Sounds familiar. 
But what else happened in the NFL this weekend? Well, the Chiefs barely beat the Falcons 17-14, but clinched the one seed in the AFC and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Through their massive comeback against the Colts, the Steelers clinched the AFC North Championship and currently sit as the number two seed in the AFC. With a win on Monday night against the Patriots, the Bills would jump the Steelers based on head-to-head and would be your two seed. The Colts choked their way from up 24-7 in the third quarter against Pittsburgh on Sunday and tied for first place in the AFC South to currently out of the playoffs despite their 10-5 record. The Dolphins moved to 10-5 and, and the top wildcard slot in the AFC with a one-point win over Las Vegas, while the Ravens sit as the sixth seed after their win over the Giants, also at 10-5. The COVID-depleted Browns are now sitting in seventh place after an awful loss to the New York Jets. The Colts are in eighth, while everyone else in the AFC has officially been eliminated from the postseason. Lastly, after Jacksonville lost to Chicago in ugly fashion on Sunday, the Jaguars clinched the top pick in the NFL draft, meaning that the Titans could be facing Trevor Lawrence twice a year for the next 15 or so seasons. In fact, with the top pick and almost $80 million in cap space, the Jags could be considered the best available NFL head coaching job if and when they make a move on their current head coach, Doug Marone. The Music City Bowl, scheduled for Wednesday between Missouri and Iowa, was officially canceled on Sunday due to covid The Missouri Tigers had an uptick of positive tests reportedly related to the team's trip to Mississippi State a few weeks ago and had to pull out of the game. In normal times, the Music City Bowl is worth around $30 million of economic impact to the city, and it's turned one of the slowest weeks for Nashville tourism into one of the busiest weeks, and the payout is around $6 million for their participating schools. Obviously, these are not normal times, and those numbers would not even be close to what was going to happen this year. Many teams are opting out of bowl games because hundreds of students and staffers are exhausted from having to pseudo-isolate since basically the summertime. People just want to go home and be with their families, and I don't blame them. This is all on top of the fact, of course, that 2nd Avenue is currently in shambles right across the river because of the Christmas morning bombing. Can't believe that's a sentence I have to say. This event on Wednesday was going to be anything but normal and certainly wasn't going to come close to the economic impact it would have had in a normal year. And as weird as it is to say out loud, there's also just part of me that doesn't want to see Second Avenue displayed on national television 400 times during a football game. It just doesn't feel right to me. A quick basketball update for all you guys. The Memphis Grizzlies fell to 0-2 after a 122-112 loss to Atlanta on Saturday night. The Trey Young-Ja Morant battle did not disappoint, though, as Young scored eight straight points down the stretch and scored 36 in the win. Meanwhile, off of his career-high 44 in the season opener, Morant led Memphis with 28 points and seven assists. The Grizz are back on the floor Monday night for their first road trip of the season against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Nets tip-off is at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. The Kentucky Wildcats fell to 1-6 on the season, the worst start in like a billion years for Big Blue Hoops, with a 62-59 loss to arch-rival Louisville on Saturday. Strangely enough, it was one of the better performances by John Calipari's team this year, offering up signs of life to the struggling Wildcats. It is Kentucky's first six-game losing streak since 1989. It's been a bizarre year for UK in the middle of a bizarre year for all of us, and Coach Cal is to be blamed for almost all of it. He recruited this roster. He picked out the schedule, which really isn't as difficult as even he's making it out to be. He's had player outbursts on the sidelines and some post-game press conference situations where either he should have been there to answer questions or somebody that actually played in the game should have been there to answer some questions about maybe a tough loss. 
the team played harder on Saturday in the rivalry game, and Louisville tried to give them the game late, but Kentucky simply isn't mature enough yet to take advantage. And it means the Cats' hopes of earning a bid into the NCAA tournament have all but disappeared before conference play has even started. The Wildcats game against South Carolina has already been postponed this week, and so Big Blue won't be back on the court until a road trip to Mississippi State on Saturday. But hey, at least it will be 2021 by then. Thank you guys all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share it. Tell one person. We do appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports, at 440 Sports on Facebook as well. This has been the 444, Monday, December 28th. 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.